I was quite shy with public speaking. I am aware, I think, that I don't necessarily always have the most commanding voice. Like, I have to, you know, if I'm speaking normally, I think I have quite a soft voice. If I'm speaking to a group, I will kind of, you know, speak louder and be very focused on that. But um, I am very aware also of tone and how, like, your tone of your voice brings people through a journey in the class. So that's Sarah Grogan, and this is the Yoga Life Podcast. Hello there. How's it going? Did you have a good week? Did you did you look after yourself? Did you eat well? Move? Did you sleep enough? I know I I definitely didn't sleep enough because kind off the tail end of a cold. So when you got a cold, you got a sore throat, blocked nose. But um that's how it goes when the seasons are changing. But at least the seasons are changing, so hurrah. The spring is almost upon us. Anyway, this week on the Yoga Life podcast, I have with me Sarah Grogan. That name may be familiar to you because she was on the podcast last year with her other half, Chris McGee. And I thought it'd be good this time now that they've been over in Dublin to get them on as individually because they are individuals. And Sarah's story is really interesting, particularly for newer teachers because she's been teaching for a year and a half and before that she worked eight years as a stockbroker in the city and in a year and a half she's teaching workshops internationally she is hosting her first retreat in february this year 2019 so she's done a lot and uh, there's a lot to be learned from someone who's built up such momentum I I realise that we talk about a lot of things on this this podcast, but this episode is really digs deep into teaching methodology, really into the nuts and bolts of the craft of teaching, and um, that's that's the foundation for everything. You know, you can have great Instagram photos and all that kind of jazz, but um, you you should have a desire to get better at teaching, which Sarah clearly does. So I hope you enjoy this episode and you learn a lot. Um, before I introduce Sarah, I've done, I'm going to talk a bit, a bit of business, business. I've done 34 episodes of this podcast without a sponsor, without making a penny. And um, that's fine. I did it as a, as a passion because I love doing it. And now I've got to a stage where I think I want to do more of this. Okay, I want to turn away projects that are taking me away from the podcast and develop this even more to get more of a community involvement so i have set up a page on my website called donate support and subscribe you'll see the tab at the top of the page when you go onto my site and there you can voluntarily choose to donate towards the podcast one time weekly or monthly um, it's supported by paypal it took me a while to set it all up i had to do a lot of youtube <laughs> a lot of youtube videos to figure it out and um, I think this is a, a really sound way of supporting the podcast. Um, anyone that's decides to support, I'd be really grateful. Where that will give you access to other extra content, to live invitations to live Q&As, to hangouts, to ask me anything sessions. We're also going to 
uh, send you an invite to our new Facebook page, our group members page, which is a private group, and uh, obviously give you a big old shout out on the old interwebs. So you can go over to the website kevinboyoga.ie and hit the donate, donate, subscribe and support button. Yes. Okay. Without further ado, thanks for listening to that, by the way. Here's Sarah. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, is that my water? Maybe it was. Yes. So um, last time you were on, mm-hmm. it was yourself and Chris. Yeah. Now it's just you. Yay. So, um, so, so what's Chris really like? <laughs> <laughs> He's a wonderful guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we haven't seen each other for a while and you've just, you just finished your, your workshops and you're flying back in an hour? Yeah, in a couple of hours. Okay. How are the workshops? Really good, actually. I love coming back to Dublin. Mm. So this is my third time here. The first time I just did rocket only. Mm-hmm. Uh, rocket is the type of practice, um, a type of yoga I mainly practice and teach a lot of. Um, this time we did vinyasa masterclass last night. I did rocket this morning and I did hips and hearts, so like a backbend workshop. Mm. And Chris is staying on and he's doing arm balances and inversions mm. tomorrow. I would stay, but Sunday's actually my busiest day teaching in oh, really? London. Yeah. So I have three classes tomorrow and a private. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. How, how many do you do a lot of privates? It kind of, as they come up, what I mm. find is a lot of times people come to me, like, so this private I have tomorrow it's a boyfriend of a girl who comes to my class she wants him to get into yoga so they can do it together so I think I'll probably do maybe between five and ten privates with him and then he'll be ready to go into normal classes so that's what I find and I don't know why but that's what the type of person that's usually attracted to doing privates with me it's like getting into yoga Mm -hmm. building that confidence so then they can go into a class setting and feel like they kind of know what they're doing or they're ready for that so But it's, I, that, and I agree, that seems to be the, the general um, profile of people that want privates. But teaching a private is a completely different uh, atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah. How do you find it? It kind of depends on the person yeah. that you're with. Um, so I'm actually doing privates with one of my best friends right now. Oh, really? And it's really funny. I can't <laughs> repeat some of the stuff, but like the cues that work for her, like it's just very funny. It's a completely different ball game. Like, especially when you're dealing with someone who doesn't necessarily have the body awareness um, that, you know, we do as yogis or people who's been coming for a class for a while. So like you're tucking the tailbone under, some people kind of end up like arching their back, yeah, like yeah. no, no, other way or <laughs> that kind of thing. Or like, you know, doming the upper back. So I kind of do this motion whereas if I'm going to like poke somebody in the chest mm-hmm. and um, just some of the language I've had to use with my friend, which I can use with my friend, it kind of works a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> like stick your bum in or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> she was like oh if you're about to punch me in the chest i was like yeah okay if that works for you <laughs> so, sounds violent but um yeah, exactly. she's your friend um yeah yeah another thing that i find is it makes a big difference is where you teach them like in their house in yeah. your house or in a studio yeah and um i i found that if you do it in their house like i always had a, a someone that was teaching the private and their spouse would be coming in in and out while oh, it, that's weird. Yeah, while it was going on, and the the kids would be coming in and out as well, and it was, and then when they're in your house, they feel a bit more. Um, yeah, I can understand it's a bit intimidating for yeah. them. They're in someone's house, and already it's a bit awkward because you're t- telling them to do do poses that they've never done before. And then if you go to, I think a studio is probably the best. Yeah, it's more neutral. It's more neutral, but the downside f- from a business point of view is that you obviously have to pay rent for that. 
I'm quite uh, lucky in that regard. Oh, sweet. The studios I work for, they have a perk, which is if you teach there, you can use the space during its dead time. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, it does mean that it can be a bit hard sometimes to fit in around people's work days because, you know, they'll always have classes in the morning, lunchtime and evening. Um, But if I have people who can get into work later, maybe like for 10 o'clock, we can do one between 9 and 10. So after the morning class finishes, mm. but before they need to be in the office. So that mm. tends to work quite well or maybe during the dead time at the weekend. So I feel really lucky because otherwise, you know, as you say, that's like an added expense that you have to pass on to the customer, which sometimes can make privates just unaffordable yeah. for them. Yeah, absolutely. And um, before you, you, you came over today, I was looking through your Instagram and uh, I've just booked Bali today. I'm going Amazing. To, yeah, I'm going to Bali in May. I haven't booked any retreat or anything, but I was looking at retreats and I've seen that yourself and Chris are doing your Rocket Refuel Relax. Rock, yeah, Rocket Restore and Relax. Ah, damn it. <laughs> right, right. So when, when is that? It's the 23rd of March till the 1st of February. And I'm really happy to say that we've just sold out two days oh, ago. Oh, yeah. look at you. That's <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, I'm so chuffed <laughs> because this is my first time doing one. And it's Chris's first one time doing one kind of like himself, like rather than through like a retreats company or like a third party. Yeah. So we found the villa when we were in Thailand doing our 300 hour with Yoga Beyond and Bryce during the summer. It's incredible villa. The lady that we're working with who owns the space is just such a nice lady and has been really helpful. Um, so yeah, it's gorgeous. We've yeah sold out. We're bringing 14 people with us. Mm. Um, we're bringing a chef with us as well from London who is an amazing vegan chef. And yeah, so we just kind of, we've all the itinerary done. We're going to be teaching rocket or a dynamic style practice every morning for kind of 90 minutes to two hours, depending. And then every evening we'll be doing a restorative mm. class and we're doing three workshops, one of which is food to yoga. Um, food to yoga? And just one food workshop and then one, I'm sorry, two yoga workshops. So one a is- A food workshop? How's yeah. That, how does so that she's work? actually going to do some like how to teach, or teach them how to do vegan food. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I thought that was just quite a cool- addition definitely um we're going to bring people paddle boarding and then yeah just the rest of the time just chill that's, yeah that's that's actually a great idea because people always seem to love um like i've done that before i've done a cookery it was like a vegetarian cookery yeah school um and um it, it's great fun because and you get to eat the food afterwards yeah, exactly <laughs> and you feel like you're learning something mm. um as well and so that's your first retreat and it sold out yeah, which I'm so happy with. Yeah, I'm awesome. going to see another space in two weeks' time in France to potentially do one maybe June and September or maybe just September. We'll see how it goes. Mm. Retreats are really important for me um, and it's always something that I knew I wanted to be a big part of my offering as a yoga teacher because it's kind of how I got into yoga. I was super mm. stressed at work. A girl had just come back from one. I went online, found this place in Spain, went for five days and was like, oh my God, this yoga thing is amazing. I want more of this. Mm -hmm. So I know how powerful they can be for people. And I think the level of our retreat is very much all levels. We have some people who are like working on handstands who come to our classes every week. And then we have some people who are kind of just getting into yoga. So Mm. yeah, you need need to have something for everyone because there isn't, not everyone wants to go and they want the whole experience. You know, they really want to, um, it's not just, the actual physical side of things they want to have the food to relax as yeah. well um and i think uh, from what i've heard it's best to have it's really difficult to do a retreat on your own but when you have two of you mm. it makes a massive difference because yeah. people will say things like my pillow isn't fluffy enough or something like this yeah. and because in, in fairness though if someone's paid like a lot of money mm. for something they do want to be looked after and i, yeah. I completely get that but if it's just you 
I've heard that it can be very difficult um, if you haven't got someone else. I know a lot of people who do it just them, but they'll team up with a chef. So mm. they'll, so we're actually, we have an added person in a way because there's two teachers and one chef. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it would be really hard to do it yourself, especially for the first one. I'm sure like once you get to know the ropes, it probably becomes a bit easier, but it is mm. nice just to, because a, a week is a long time mm-hmm. and you kind of end up, you're switched on pretty much for the whole time because as you say, you have to make sure everyone's having a great experience. Mm-hmm. So it's quite nice to know that like I can take a bit of a break and Chris can take over exactly. and vice versa. And we have Sophie there as well, who's our chef. So there's definitely going to be enough of us there to make sure that everyone has fluffy pillows. <laughs> <laughs> and so will you actually fl- all fly over together? Yeah. On the same flight, like seats all together and stuff like that? Not with the guests. We arrived two days early. Okay. To make sure they to go shopping, buy lots of the food, yeah, all okay, that kind that of stuff. Sense. Yeah. Um, although some of the girls who are coming in the retreat are coming a couple of days earlier and they're actually staying with us in the same place. Mm-hmm. We let them know where we're staying just so we can all get a car over to the venue together yeah. on the Friday or Saturday. I can't even remember. The yeah. 23rd, basically. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, everyone arrives then that day. Yeah. And, yeah. When did so, you go? When did you, were you at Kosami the book? last time uh we were there in the summer for two months summer just gone yeah okay in 2018 have you been to bali yeah i was there probably like four or five years ago now okay it was only kind of when i was starting to get into yoga actually it must be less than it must be just four years ago three four years ago and um i really loved it so yeah i think if you're going to bali you almost don't even need to book a retreat unless you're going specifically mm-hmm. for one just there's so much yoga there yeah yeah i think i mean i've heard there, like there is a lot of yoga and loads of good vegan food as well, um, but um, it is in a way I'm I'm delighted I'm going just because it's Bali, but also part of me is on a slight recon mission as well. Yeah, just yeah to scope yeah. out potential venues because, as you said, um, retreats for you retreats made a massive difference in terms of developing your your love for yoga and exact same for me because mm. I think when you have that immersive experience it really changes how you feel about yoga as opposed to going into a class and then coming home yeah. and you just can't get into the spirit of it as much um, and uh, I would like to do retreats as well but I think it's so important you actually see the place first for sure isn't it yeah we were just lucky it was actually quite funny how it happened so um, Chris did a retreat in Greece last year and that was kind of when he decided he wanted to do them himself rather than going through another party. Mm. And I kind of joined them on the end of that retreat. And there was a few of the girls who were there and they were like, oh my God, if you guys do one in Mexico, we're totally in. So funnily <laughs> enough, we were literally in the airport on the way to Thailand to do our 300 hour training, looking up venues in Mexico. And in hindsight, I'm like, like, what were we thinking? Like, we were on our way to paradise to look up venues in a different paradise, the halfway across the other side of the world. And I think we were on the flight and I just turned around to Chris and I was like, what are we doing? I was like, let's look at villas in Thailand. So we spent a week up north in Thailand looking at venues. By the time we got down to Koh Samui, we'd already organized two days just of like on the back, of, like on the bike, just driving around, going doing viewings. And then we found this place and it was like a no brainer, but mm. it just, it just gives you so much confidence going there that you know what you're going into. Yeah. Um, I don't think I know anyone who's had a terrible experience, but I do know some people who are braver than I am in the sense that they mm. will go to places that they haven't been to yet. I just don't have, mm. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, not for your, for your first one especially. No. And, and also as well, I'm, I'm also thinking that it'll be good if I can have like um, 
photographs of me actually in the place yeah. uh, or in a similar setting so for for your marketing because sometimes you'll see people with um they have they're promoting a retreat and if it is images that they've taken or they're high quality images it makes it a lot more appealing than mm. someone who's used like stock images that aren't as clear yeah, exactly and aren't, aren't it, make, it makes a big difference um because you're you're putting you're, you're trying to paint an image in their mind of what the experience is going to be like yeah um and Another thing to maybe consider, and I don't know if you have, maybe you have, but um, is CPD courses or teacher trainings. Have you thought about like teaching teacher trainings? It's something I would love to do at yeah. some point. Um, I guess having only really been a teacher for not even a year and a half yet, um, it's something that's definitely on my radar and I would like to do at some point. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, kind of just when the opportunity kind of presents itself, but you know you can do like Adam Hustler's coming here in April. Uh, this is all confirmed now, and he's doing an eight-hour CBD like a one day. Yeah. Uh, e e even that to get you started to be yeah. because it's manageable. You can think, okay, I can teach for a day. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? That's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. And it gets you on the on the on the, the um the kind of the the path of learning how to teach teachers. I think it's because it is like I've done um a, a week or well, one day of teacher training and um it is it's a real different dynamic because the people are so involved yeah that sometimes you'll teach a class and some of the people everyone's at different levels they're at a different class they're at the class for different reasons yeah. you know and um but when you do a teacher training everyone is like real yeah like keen and to ask because they've invested their time a lot of money and maybe it's something they're looking to as you did change from one career to another yeah and uh I found that it was, it was it was challenging, but pe the the um, the audience was so in engaged. More, yeah. it was actually kind of easy once you, as long as you have uh, your curriculum done. Yeah, you know? I think often even like teaching a class, teaching people who know about yoga is often teacher easier than yes. teaching people it, who are new. Yeah, it really is. This is this is funny you say this actually because I I've realised that I. Um, I teach a class now, I was telling you, in Camden, uh, Yoga Hub Camden on Fridays, and there's 40 people that come to the class. Yeah. And there's some people that are been practicing for years and some that have never done yoga before. Yeah. And I've realized that I am, I've kind of lost my skill for teaching beginners a little bit, or, or maybe I haven't lost a skill, but I, I tend to cater to, and I'm interested to hear your opinion on this, but I tend to cater to, Ninety percent of the class, and I understand yeah, that it's going to be ten yeah. percent that I just can't. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, I could see someone was struggling um, in a class recently. I went over to them to to uh, to help them, but they they didn't really want help. Yeah. So I thought, and before I would have a year ago, I would have thought, um, what felt really bad about yeah. that, and gone, what what can I do? I must help them. And now I I I think I, I have to let that go. Yeah. Uh, that, so that I know what that feels like to actually be in class and not want, especially when you're like you're in a balancing posture or something. Yeah. Like, just, just, and you're like, why are you touching me? Just leave me alone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, um, what was my question? <laughs> I was teaching to Chip, big groups. In it. <laughs> um, yeah, teaching beginners. This is yeah. um, a, a, a skill that 
I, so I love teaching beginners classes and I used to teach a fundamentals class and actually I covered for Doug who was on your podcast was it last week Alleged shout out to Doug <laughs> yeah. big shout out to the big um, man I actually it was that weekend that he was here I was covering his foundations oh, class cool. at Cycle and it, that was interesting actually because it was a full class it was 52 people in the room mm. and like all of these like bright eyed like you know newbie yogis like who most of them had never actually done a yoga class before mm. but I love it because you can really see again they're so eager and they mm. were so eager to learn so it's easier I think when you have a whole group of them because like I think I actually taught that class slightly more workshoppy and like yeah. you can really break everything down it's when you're dealing with again the 52 people which sometimes I deal with on like a Monday night or a Sunday morning in the same studio and it's like all levels and it is all levels so you have the people who decide an all levels class is how they want to try yoga for the first time mm -hmm. and like you can give them a bit of time like but you can't drag or not drag down but you can't bring the whole group down to that level like you have to teach all levels and you have to give options and you have to give variations mm -hmm. what i do though is every time i teach pretty much i'll break down like the vinyasa the chaturanga and i've kind of the way like the way i do it i think i try and make it kind of again I'm very strength focused. Mm -hmm. So I make, I teach it in a way that you can really build strength, but I kind of keep them there. And then sometimes I forget actually when I'm teaching an intermediate class or level two classes, like they don't need this. Mm -hmm. So it's actually, sometimes I think I actually teach all levels. That's my natural kind of go-to. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's wise because I think I think that's what the skill is to be able to say something in three different ways that three different levels understand it. Yeah. And, or, or, but the, I think the main, what you referred to there about is the tempo of the class. Because I think you can explain things a certain way, but you have to keep the tempo you going, the flow going. going. Yeah. If they've done like 10 breaths on one leg and five on the other, it's not good. Yeah. You know, and, and it, therefore, if you find that you help someone at a stage in the class where it needs to be flowing, yeah. you've messed up. Yeah. And um, I think that's that's the, being conscious of when to help the person that needs help. Yeah. Um, but also as well, what I do is I, I've realized now that I'll scan the class and I'll look for the people who look a bit uncomfortable like I used to be. And I'll think, okay, I'll make sure I get around to them. And if I see something they're good at, say for example, a plank, yeah. if it's a, you know, for some, a lot of people typically good at plank. It's not like it's a pretty common, um, exercise to do I'll come over to them and put my hand on their back and say press them down and go great that's what, and yeah. so I can positively reinforce them agree. with something that's quite straightforward but still quite relatively challenging and then um, that's my way of, uh, of making sure that I include everyone but but to not take it personally when someone is just wants to be left alone yeah um, but that's uh, that takes that takes time to to kind of um to realize that I think yeah and it is hard when you're dealing with the full class of people mm. but again it's quite a nice um thing that the studios I teach at do they give you a sheet and it tells you who the new people are uh, so in one of the studios all the mats are numbered so it makes it easier because you're like oh that person's new because the mm -hmm. sheet tells you in the another studio the mats aren't numbered so you don't necessarily know who they are but I, I if I ask at the start of class, like, who's new, which I always do in January, just because you tend to get a lot more hands shooting up because a lot of people are trying yoga for the first time, part of the New Year's resolutions. I will try and go up to the people at the end who I really think, as you say, they were a bit uncomfortable, they struggled a little bit more, mm. just to kind of positively reinforce. It's like, mm. if you found that hard, that's totally natural, that's yes, totally normal, yeah. you did a good job. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a journey, we all start somewhere. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that having that conversation one-to-one -one is important, but not doing it... Um, 
like not saying for example listen if you're a beginner this is going to be quite difficult because or this is going to be challenging for you because the the beginners know you're talking about them you're better off as you said to go to them after the class take them to one side and go on and say what's your name and you've done really well mm. i know what it's like when i first started yeah that's much better and i think um and actually ask a name as well i want to ask you you said that you said to you say to people you acknowledge the, the newbies which is which is great where do you stand on injuries because i know a reason i asked this is because i know a very i'll put i won't say the name but a very famous uh, well-known modern yoga teacher and they don't ask injuries because they said the reason is then you're liable if something happens to them and you knew about their injury according to them oh okay? wow but what I, from what I, how I've always been taught is that you should ask people at the start of class what their injuries are. Where do you stand on that? I will say, is there any injuries I need to know about? Because sometimes I say any injuries mm. and it's such an open question that like, and sometimes people like talking about themselves and they like talking about what's wrong with them. So you'll get somebody call you over and you could be there for like a while if you allow them to keep speaking. Also, sometimes I think people think that we're like doctors and we're like, you have physios so I think you have to be careful of that just knowing like I'm a yoga teacher I'm not like I haven't studied for five years in university to get a yes. degree in yeah. this kind of stuff um I think it's kind of important to ask yeah just so you know if someone's dealing with an ankle thing you don't want to be pushing them deeper into downward dog mm -hmm. or if someone's dealing with something wrong with their arm again just it, just so I know when I'm adjusting someone yes yeah if they have something going on or not uh, Jason Crandall said something really interesting in it was that when you ask someone what they're in, do they have any injuries, sometimes they'll tell you not because they think you can help them, but more so they want to say to you, for example, I've got a bad wrist, therefore don't expect me to do chaturanga. Yeah. And they, it's almost like they're apologetic to be yeah. like, listen, I've got an injury, so I'm sorry if I can't do whatever. Yeah. And I actually noticed that a lot. So it's 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 almost like they're trying to um it's kind of their cop out in a way or cop like, out, yeah. yeah they want to feel like they're not they're not they, they, they don't want you to think that they're not trying yeah which is a real shame so i, I i've really started to think about how do i figure how do i navigate this because i'd have used that um, um line of saying i'm not a doctor i don't know but i think the way i've delivered it in the past has been too harsh i've been too right well, i'm not a doctor i don't know and I think that makes people feel like I don't, it seems like I don't care. Yeah. So I, I've really examined how I deliver that in a way that is, shows, has empathy. Yeah. Because I know when I was used to first started in yoga, my knees used to kill me. Yeah. And I, I couldn't even sit cross-legged and I would be too embarrassed to, I just want to copy everyone else. And even if the teacher said, look, you don't have to sit cross-legged, you can sit any way that you like, I'd I just want to do what everyone else is doing, you know, yeah. and sit there uncomfortably. And if I felt that the teacher was being a, 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 like an ass about it, yeah. I'd be, I, I think I'm not coming back to this. Yeah. And I've just realized that I, I, I um, could deal with being a little bit, showing a bit more empathy. In that respect. So I'm, I'm really, I'm very much like, I will make people work hard. My classes aren't easy. I'm very strength focused, but I am very much like do what feels good in your body. So if you want to kneel, kneel, if you want to cross your ankles, cross your ankles mm. um in terms of the delivery i guess of the message so i usually let people talk and if someone wants to tell me about their injury unless it's like the class should be started i will kind of let them say what they need to do and then i'll kind of say to them it's like have you seen a physio have you seen your doctor and then if they say no it's like well it sounds to me like if that 
issue keeps proceeding, that's who you should speak to about mm-hmm. it. And I'll give them advice in terms of how to modify their practice if I feel like they need to based on what they've told me. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, I yeah. think that's really good that you, because you give them options, like talking about the physios. Yeah. And, and as opposed to, it's not a black and white thing. There are options and there's, yeah. th- there's things to consider. I think um, this is though, it's a bit like your kind of your bedside manner, isn't it? You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> how, how you make yeah. people feel is, is so important. But when you're teaching in a room of 40, it completely changed the dynamic to when I teach in another studio and it's like the maximum is 15 people. Yeah. And I find that when I'm in, actually I find that when I'm in the class of 15 people and it's a really small room about the size of this, I end up shouting. Because I'm, I'm so, <laughs> You're so used to. I, yeah, I actually sometimes like, sorry guys, am I shouting? They're like, yeah, you are shouting. You know, yeah. there's not 40 people here. But it's, um, it's a, uh, I think, understand, uh, just before we hit record actually, we were talking about this, about, the skill of speaking yeah and how it's so important to examine how you speak and refine it because it it makes a massive difference to to how people feel in the room have have you done anything have you done any public speaking courses or toastmasters anything like that no actually and it's something that i used to back in my finance days i thought about doing and actually it was because i had such anxiety about public speaking yeah um for me it's almost like mind-blowing in a way that I stand up and sometimes in front of 50 people 70 people I'm doing an event this week it's gonna be 120 people and speak and actually can carry my voice in a way to speak and and for all those people to hear me because I was quite shy about public speaking and I think it comes down to like what you're speaking about if you know your content in a way inverted commas content like if you're passionate about what you're doing it doesn't really feel like public speaking in the same way of me presenting a stock pitch to <laughs> 10 fund managers um, who I felt like, oh, we're going to rip me apart. Again, it depends on your audience as well if they're there because they want to be there and they you know, really buy into what you're doing and what you're saying mm-hmm. um, versus if they're there to critique, which tends to be more normal in the business world than in the yoga world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am aware, I think, that I don't necessarily always have the most commanding voice. Like, I have to... You know, if I'm speaking normally, I think I have quite a soft voice. If I'm speaking to a group, I will kind of, you know, speak louder and be very focused on that. But um, I am very aware also of tone and how, like, your tone of your voice brings people through a journey in the class. So I tend to people start people softly, either in, like, a subtabatakanasana, so laying down position Mm -hmm. or in a seated position. And then I kind of bring them up. My voice will get stronger as it needs to. And then towards the end, again, it will... Mm-hmm. get gentler and softer mm-hmm. um but you have to enunciate you have to yeah do you know do you know who does that and you you actually have a really great voice you do, because some people um have this i don't know where it comes from i think it comes from the west coast of america or australia australia maybe but this every time they say that it goes up at the end yeah so things like <laughs> You're like, I go to university? It's like, are you asking me do I know Question. what university is? <laughs> oh, are you telling me you go to university? Um, and I think that is something that is is just people, it's quite a, they just haven't thought about how that how that sounds. Yeah. And as you said, to be commanding is, um, or to show like you are, you know, like to be affirmative in how you speak, I think makes a huge difference. Yeah. Because then 
people adam hustler does that brilliantly i think he really enunciates uh, and i when i first heard him speak i thought he doesn't sound like a yoga teacher <laughs> it's like I, mean, I was used to yoga teachers being like and do this now yeah. and it's like really kind of windy and um but uh, to have your own rhythm is i think um so important. i think that's a good a good word actually you do have to speak in a rhythm mm. because the whole class is meant to be quite rhythmic in how they move and moving with breath. Mm-hmm. So, you, yeah, I think you're the rhythm of how you speak mm-hmm. and knowing what words to emphasise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And also understanding that um, to, to use different words and not be saying the same things over, over and over again. again. And it's so tempting to you do almost that. Like to, you have like five ways of saying the same thing. <laughs> I'm I'm uh, I'm guilty of being like in Shavasana. I'm like and wiggle your toes, wiggle your fingers. I'm like, I've got to stop saying wiggle your toes, wiggle your fingers. I have to mix it up. So I'll be like, open and close your hands. Oh, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting it risque now. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, I have a you know one thing we didn't do last time, which I wanted to do with you uh, today was um, quick fire questions. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we didn't do this. We didn't do this last time. So these are like Larry King. Do you know Larry King? He's a famous. I think he's about 120 years old, but he's a famous guy in America. Uh, chat show host. Oh, of King. course, yes, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I didn't. T- I didn't tell you about these. No. But, but <laughs> <laughs> so um, these are like so. Quick fire questions is when you ask a question and you, I don't give a response. You just say the answer and then we move on to the next. Okay, one. cool. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Favorite city and why? New York, vibrancy. Favorite succinct. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not supposed to reply. Uh, <laughs> I'm rubbish at this. First job. Working in a kitchen shop for my mum's best friend. A kitchen shop. In Tullamore, in Offaly. Oh wow. Yeah. She sells like just kitchen stuff and okay. like pottery. <laughs> okay, kitchen shop. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, person from history you wish you could take to lunch? Margaret Thatcher. Oh wow! Yeah, I don't know why she's just the first person that popped into my head. I think that'd be incredibly interesting. Just now, that just popped. Yeah. Into my head. Okay. Yeah. Uh, most memorable career moment? Uh probably. My last day in finance has to be one of them. Just like moving into yoga for the... Your last day, were you like... (laughs) (laughs) I just did a a bad sign there with my fingers. (laughs) That's a really hard one, actually. I guess I have so many big ones from both different careers. Yeah. No, last day, that's a a good one. Like a a bad... (laughs) Actually, it was kind of like a genuine... It was like like a sigh of relief. Uh Nice. Okay, that's cool. Uh, um, biggest pet peeve oh god I've got loads oh when people bite their nails fingernails yeah I hate people yeah, yeah. I can't even deal with it toenails <laughs> I've never seen that maybe <laughs> maybe yogis could do you that you might be quite impressive <laughs> I'll excuse that because it's impressive <laughs> um, if you could travel to in back in time to when you were 18 what's the one piece of advice you would give yourself stop giving a shit about what other people think that's a good one Things people get wrong about you, like assumptions they make that aren't true normally. Um, I think some people think I'm a really, really confident person because of, I guess, maybe social media, because of standing up in front of that many people and every week and teaching. But actually, I think I'm quite like shy in many ways. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. 
I'm not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> uh, okay, the last question is, if you weren't a yoga teacher, what would you be? Probably still be in finance, unfortunately. Mm. If I didn't have the balls to, <laughs> to get out. Um, yeah. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I'd probably still be there if I wasn't a yoga teacher. Yeah. I feel like saying, Sarah Grogan, this is your life now. <laughs> uh, that's, it, that's it, Sarah. We're done. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. And there we have it, peeps. That's Sarah. That's Teaching 101. We went through the nuts and the bolts. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, as always, please get in touch if you've got any questions, comments. You can follow me on Instagram. It's Kevin Ball Yoga. And you can leave a show your support by leaving a donation on my website under Donate, Support, Subscribe, um, KevinBallYoga.ie. Uh, anything would be much appreciated. There's loads of goodies and extras that you get for being a supporter, for being a yoga lifer. And um, yeah, so thanks as always. Really appreciate you. Hope you have a great week and chat to you next week. Bye.